welcome to Beautiful Weirdos, the podcast by, for, and about people who are beautifully weird. I'm Fiora, your host, chief weirdo, and self-proclaimed armchair intellectual. Let's get weird, people. Really looking forward to sharing this conversation I had with Sandhya Sudhakar with you. We talked about typologies and how they help us understand parts of ourselves that we know but have never maybe like looked at or put words to. Um, specifically, we dove into the Enneagram and how knowing yours can be helpful. I actually did an Enneagram reading, immersion, whatever you want to call it, with her in preparation for this conversation. And then we really distilled it down further to how can understanding your Enneagram either help you A, prevent burnout or B, begin to map out your journey recovering from burnout, which is obviously a journey that's near and dear to my heart of something that I had to navigate over the last year. Sandhya Sudhakar is the founder of Self at Work, is a former P&G director and experienced leader with a deep understanding of how to align people strategy and business strategy. She spent over 16 years successfully managing teams and bringing commercial plans to market in the consumer products and hospitality industries. She's developed an expertise in navigating change at an individual and organizational level, authentic leadership, and cultivating personal well-being. She uses her professional experience, education, and her passion for the human side of business to help teams be themselves at work so that they can love what they do and love who they are while doing it. She's a master at prioritizing people welfare first in an organization, understanding that that benefits the company and the business and the and the mission overall. Without further ado, dive right in to our conversation as we talk about Enneagram and burnout and typologies and understanding ourselves better. And again, centering welfare in the workplace and life. Lovely, welcome. I'm so happy you're here, Sandhya. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Cool. So I'm going to start off and just share with with our listeners uh, why you're here. Sandhya and I have actually worked together off and on over the last year and two things that she is a killer expert in, Enneagram, which I'll tell you a little bit about, and uh, burnout. We're going to talk a little bit about some of those intersections as well as dive into some of the tangents around that. But specifically with regards to Enneagram is it was this thing that I heard tasked around like human design or astrology or, you know, who knows how many like workplace personality tests, uh, work style typologies I've done. And I've heard this one thrown around and if if our listeners have heard of it too, but they are not familiar, it's like, oh, I'm a type one wing three, or of course, I bet that's not one of them, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, uh, and so, and so I knew that this was something that Sadia was an expert in. And so I actually hired her recently to do a reading for me and it was really, really cool. It was less woo than I thought it was going to be, which not to hate on woo, because I love woo. You, you, you we, we love, yes, we're woo lovers. <laughs> it's interesting. It's like we're woo lovers, but we're also woo skeptics. Yeah. It's this like really yeah. lovely paradox. And uh, one of the most powerful things I got from doing the reading with you was compassion for myself and putting into words things that have been longtime drivers, but that I 
hadn't, I hadn't like thought it out loud. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I love, I love the way you said that. I mean, those two things are so important too, like compassion and being able to name what's going on that just feels like part of your world all the time, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, right? Where it's like, oh my God, that, that, that sweater fits perfectly. Like I didn't even know that I, that like there was like a piece missing or, you know, so it, that was cool. It put to words these things that, that I knew about myself, but didn't, hadn't named. And then the second part was it also super highlighted why there are certain relationships in my life that cause irritation or, or seem to generate, they seem to be the ones that consistently generate friction between me and somebody I love. And I realized it was because our drivers aren't, we don't live by the same drivers. And so what the way that I'm driven will butt up against the way I'm thinking of one relationship in particular, the way that they're driven. And it, it stopped making it about what was super cool. Again, a c- compassion for myself and the other person was it's not that, that we have bad intentions. It's that we're literally operating from sort of like different software programs in that moment. And the software programs are a little bit incompatible, but it's something like a value judgment about the other person. So those were like just two huge takeaways that I got uh, from doing the reading with you. But on that note, now that people know that there's some, there's some cool discoveries to be had, can you talk about what is an Enneagram? And I'd actually love to hear that in conjunction with like how you fell in love with it. Yeah. Okay. So Enneagram, for anyone who doesn't know anything about it, right, is a personality assessment typology. It's a it's a personality framework, and it can be lumped in with things like Myers-Briggs or, you know, um, maybe a little bit human design or things like that, where people find this, like, identification in a type. But really what it is, is like a framework for looking at really, honestly, your ego structure, but it's also like in real world terms, a way to look at your personality, your behaviors, what patterns you might kind of fall into. And the important part about it is it's not about the traits. It's not about how you act, but it helps you understand why you are that way. And so why, why does this pattern keep coming up? Right. And what is it rooted in? And there are nine different types in the Enneagram and there are dynamics about how we move around the system and things like that, which I think was like an interesting part of the the typing session I did with you, but it's, it's not intended to say, this is how you are. It's like, this is why you are that way. And here's how you can grow. Like, here's how you can evolve. Here's how you can be more present in your day to day, more receptive, have more agency and how you respond to things instead of being kind of like tightly wound and having like an immediate, this happens and this is how I react. Um, so it's, it's really all about like, how do I find some acceptance? Like the way you said having, you know, it helped you find some compassion for yourself. We just, we make ourselves wrong for this little driver in our, in our brains and our bodies and our hearts. And And then we beat ourselves up for it. And like, how much energy and time are we spending doing this stuff, right? And then we also might beat someone else up for it in a relationship because we're like, well, you're not the way I am. You don't respond the same way, so you're wrong. 
But when you actually can get in and start using it, not only for yourself, but even in relationships, I work with teams a lot. It helps you understand, like, it's not a I'm right and you're wrong. It's like, we are coming from different planets, you know? And so we can like learn to speak each other's language and, and relate better. Yeah. As it's so funny, as you were talking, right, I wrote down like relieves that little sort of siphon of energy of apology, right? Because if it's something that's really primary for us, we've probably been made wrong for it at some point in our life. So like in the, in the, like in service to personal liberation, right? One of the things I discovered was like, integrity is my favorite word. It just like, it is the thing I live by. (laughs) But I've, I've also, I've also expressed the shadow side of that, which is self-righteousness and lack of compassion for others. But I think in a fear of being self-righteousness, I've sort of pulled my punches around integrity. And when that came through as like, girl, did you know you said integrity six times in this reading or something (laughs) like that? I was like, oh, that is such a massive component of my personality DNA. And it is really valuable to me. And I think even since then, I've sort of, I've found this really like beautiful, like, yeah, that's who I am. And it's actually something I love about myself. And I felt that that's that siphon or that leak of energy where I was, I was still sort of being apologetic about how strongly I feel about integrity. I, it's like, I, I plugged that leak and I just kind of like claimed it and owned it and was like, this is a big part of how I tick. And I can also, since I'm no longer like leaking life force through feeling apologetic for this, this strong sense of right and wrong. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Not like an external binary right and wrong, but like really living by your values, like consistently, especially behind closed doors. It's almost like all of a sudden that energy that was leaking into apology or like pulling my punches is now all of a sudden available for me to be compassionate to people who don't function the same way. Yeah, like, that's oh what I've gosh, observed in so... the last like, yeah, the last week. Yeah, like weeks since we did that, right? And it's yeah. like I think that's that is one of the reasons, right? Because sometimes I feel like my love of Enneagram in a way feels a little culty to me sometimes, but it's like yeah. time and time again, it's proven to me in my life and it's proven in my work with other people that it's it's not about like, this is who I am. It's about like, oh yeah, okay, I can see that part of myself and like stop, like you said, exactly like you said, leaking energy on that thing. And, you know, and we can talk about this a little more when we get to burnout, but it's like, we all have different ways we leak energy and and that leads to burnout, right? And so there might be quicker paths to burnout for different types of people and that this is like a great tool to help you see that. Like when we doubt ourselves and then we feel bad for doubting ourselves, we're like doubling up on this like crappy energy of like, you're just like, you know, you're, you're leaking all this mental energy or like when you, you know, I care a lot about how people perceive me. And I, if I spend a lot of time beating myself up about caring what people think of me, like why, what's the point of that? Like I need to now see that and appreciate how it also can be a strength, but Mm -hmm. 
not make myself wrong for this like innate little thing that I have. Right. So I, I love, I love how you said all of that. And I'm like so happy. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit because when I was like getting ready to do your typing session, I think that's more, I'm, I was more nervous than I've ever been in any typing session. And and it's because you're just like, you're like not a normal human, right? Like you've spent, you live in this world of personal development. You've done so much work on yourself. Like, you know, there are things you've talked about, like your ADHD and things like that too, where it's like, okay, there are complexities to you that it's not like a, it it wasn't like a, okay, I can, I can go into this and ask her the questions and figure it out. And so I was kind of like, oh man, like. And I also really wanted you to love it, you know, just because yeah. I love you and <laughs> and like yeah. I think we have a lot of commonalities in the way we approach the world. So it was interesting in that sense where I was like, at the end of it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. <laughs> and I yeah. love that you yeah. had some some softening into like your own patterns, even in this week since we did that. Yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been a great topic of conversation, and you did awesome. Like I felt so. <laughs> I felt so guy. I was like, I am absolutely like, I felt like I was in the hands of an expert. It was, it was great, which is really lovely for me as like a woman and as like a, like a woman in leadership positions who runs her own business and is like a big person not to like really be, to be able to hand the reins over to be led felt really good. I also think I really want to emphasize that I'm pretty sure I've done Enneagram quizzes before. And at the end I was like, "Mm, I guess whatever, but the reading was so thorough. Like, I, I mean, for anyway, let's say it was just like insight after insight. And I have done a lot of freaking personal exploration, you know? So that was really cool. That was really rewarding for me to do something that, yeah, that revealed things despite having, yeah, it was just an, it was like another layer, which when, you know, when you're a personal development junkie, that gets really exciting. The other thing I wanted to yeah. say is there in the way that you, walked me through Enneagram and some of the typologies. And so there's, there's like a, there's a primary one, then you can have a wing and then there's sort of the two, like the two secondary ones you're connected to, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a wing, like you have a dominant type and then you have a wing that you might lean on, on either side of that. And then two other types that are connected through lines. So like really five types that you have most access to, but like the one dominant type is the one where your core motivation sits. Yeah. I feel like what was really cool about this is there is a shadow side to personal development and mindset work, which is right. And even the words you said earlier, like, I really care what people think about me is people will learn that and then be like, and then be try to like excise that, you know, like try to like do the surgery to get rid of that quality and the, I think the sort of holistic really, like, again, this word comes up in a lot of the interviews, but like ecological, uh, dynamic way that you teach and, and explore this is um, it, it doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. What a weird saying. But is, oh, yeah, somebody who has the ability to sense into how they are being perceived is also probably killer at at fostering connection and kinds of culture and like really seeing other people within a relationship dynamic because they've built they've for whatever reason in their life developed this sixth seven sense of empathy intuition 
Yeah. Like one of the ways that I use Enneagram is to help people, whether it's like they're trying to figure out where they want to go with their career or whether they're a leader and they're trying to figure out how to, how to lead people in, in ways that work for, for them and things like that is like our, our greatest strength is our greatest liability quite often. Mm. And so for me in my own type, I, my dominant type is a type three. And so image what does that... is important. Oh, yeah. okay. Great. I was just saying, give us yeah, a, so, give us a so taste type three is the is. achiever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the type three is the achiever, you know, type threes are ambitious. Uh, you know, they're generally very successful, charismatic. They get, they get shit done. Can I, sorry, can I cuss on here? Yeah, um, it gets stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And they know how to get things done efficiently. And, and part of it is this internal antenna into knowing how to be successful, knowing how to accomplish things, knowing how to get there fastest and most efficient. They also know what's expected of them in order to look and be successful. Mm-hmm. So this attunement to what people expect of me, what people want me to be, I know how to be that, right? And I know how to be that in different groups and different environments and different parts of my own community. I can be what all these different groups of people need me to be. And so there's this adaptability to a type three that is amazing in the sense of like, it's an, it's a social intelligence, right? It's a like, mm-hmm. I know how to relate to all these different people and find common ground. Um, I know how to see the potential and bring it out of people because I, I, I'm really like self-improvement is important to me. And also when it gets into that shadow part, I can bend and fit myself into any, place that I need to fit and, and almost instead of being adaptable, it becomes like self-abandonment, right? And like Mm -hmm. not knowing who you are or not being who you are in order to be what someone else needs you to be. So it's like that same intelligence that I have that makes me maybe a great marketer or someone who can relate to a lot of different types of people and help them connect with each other also can make me put my own needs and self and desires and ambitions on the back burner because I'm chasing someone else's and I don't even realize it. Mm. Yeah. So that's when you asked about how I got into Enneagram, right? Like that is, that was one of the things that was like my life on paper. I went to high school. I was student body vice president. I got good grades. I got a scholarship to a business school, you know, all of these things. I went to work for a fortune 50 company. I got promoted and raises and all the things, right. All the, like I checked all the boxes on what a good, you know, Indian girl should do academically, what it looks like to be successful living out my like immigrant grandparents dreams of like the secure, good job. that looks great on paper, right? Like I knew exactly how to get that done And yet when I was like 35, I kind of woke up and I'm like, do I even want any of this? Like, is this, is this my version of success? Like, is this what I actually want? And not to say, you know, I was moving through my life like a ghost and I like was empty and all this stuff, right? Like I was happy. I was experiencing life. I have really good friends from that time in my career, but I also realized that like that thing that looked good on paper that felt good to me, right? It gave me lots of validation, wasn't actually making me happy, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and prevented you. Like, I mean, there's blessings on and on all sides, right? But kind of prevented you from even ever. You just sort of like passed the question of like, what might I want? Yeah, right? to to like take care of this this family legacy. Yeah, and not even like something that was so put on to me, right? Like my my mother's like. I just want you to be happy. Like she's actually, you know, probably <laughs> the, the idea, like, I don't know if there is an idea, mother, but like supportive and loving and accepting of anything I would have gone and done. But like, I still picked up on this thread of like what my family lineage would want for me or like, you know, my grandparents or what would make them proud or all those things. So it was like, yeah, it wasn't even done to me. Right. It was like, I, I created this perception and I chased that and I got validation for it at every step of the way where it was like, we're so proud of you. You're going to, you know, you're going to run the world someday, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so the unlearning, right? The like unwinding, the like digging out the layers of what do I actually want? Like it took me a while to unwind from that. And I actually went on a sabbatical. I had already made like one kind of career pivot where it was outside of the corporate, corporate, corporate world. And I was doing work that I felt so good about. It was like thrilling and fun. And I got to like explore a lot of other things. I wasn't really in this narrow box of like specific role anymore. I was like kind of doing all these cool things and doing things that were disruptive in the hospitality industry. And, and then our company got acquired and I went Mm. from like the highest high of my career to the lowest low where I was working for middle-aged white men who had been doing this for decades and wanted to do it the way it was always done. And so it was like, and and there was a culture that like didn't feel caring about the people that were in it and leaders who I could see were like totally lacked self-awareness. You know, it was like, you have no idea the impact you have on your people and how everybody wants to quit yet you think you're doing a great job, you know? So I was like experiencing this thing And at the same time was in a relationship that started out like the fairy tale. It was like great and everything was going amazing. And then it kind of came to this screeching halt of like a place where I was not getting my needs met. I was expressing needs in whatever way I knew how to. They were getting, you know, it was like a, okay, this is too much kind of a thing back. And that like, for someone who doesn't express needs very freely and very often for me to do it and then get it rejected was like so hurtful. And it really activated like this, you know, some attachment things for me and in some abandonment things for me. And so it was like, I went from this high, high, high to this low, 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 and I felt really chaotic inside. And it was literally mm. the first time in my life that I was like, I'm out of control of my emotions. I don't know what's happening to me. Yeah. And around the same time, an old boss had like told me about how much she loved Enneagram. So I don't know. I just kind of got into it. And then I found so much insight in it, both for myself and even like with my now ex, right, of like understanding, oh, okay, this is. This is why these things are happening, why this conflict is happening, why we're butting heads and why we're literally like two ships passing in the night and like don't understand each other, you know? So it was, it was Mm -hmm. really, for me, it came at a time where I was like career and relationship were really challenging and I found a lot of insight in it and it helped me build some acceptance for myself, for other people, that compassion piece of it. And like 
take some of the emotional charge out of what was happening and ultimately leaving that relationship like later, but seeing that like, okay, this is how we both operate. And, and if, if, if he's not willing to change, then this isn't probably going to go anywhere and, you know, things like that. So yeah, I mean, at that point in my life. Yeah. Okay. So you said so many amazing things. So (laughs) one um, is I love that it's applicable to somebody. I mean, different book, but I also, you know, did the whole create a life that looks great on paper. And then you find yourself in it and you think, oh, wait, I thought when I created the life that, you know, you write it out, like I have this, I'm with so-and-so, we live here. You're supposed to be happy, right? And then you're inside it and you're not happy and the devastation and emptiness of having all the things that are supposed to make you happy and it not making you happy is such a scary, like you said, chaotic place to be. But what's cool is Enneagram could serve you in that moment. And then Enneagram served me so powerfully one week ago when I'm currently in a really amazing phase of clarity and self-connection. So that dynam- that contrast of value feels really, really epic. And then also I just imagine people listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I've done that. I mean, especially if they've been socialized female, is that they've definitely, they've definitely um, not been asked those questions like, who are you? What makes you tick? What lights you up? What drives you? And how are, how are all of those things superpowers? And how do you create life from that foundation rather than, again, what I think both you and I have, have walked through, which is I'm picking up all these clues externally to who I should be who I have to be in order to be happy, to be successful, to be lovable. Oh, good. Certainly don't have (laughs) needs, dearest. If you have any needs, people will (laughs) self-implode. And so awesome. Yeah. So anyway, what I, what I really heard in your share was like the, the Enneagram in the fact that it's so dynamic, in the fact that it's so comprehensive, in the fact that it really, it creates a language around like how we function and how we move through the world. And without, with, and there's lots of different languages that can be spoken to like make sense of people and rela- relationships and stuff. But that for you, it arrived at that time when it was like, there's all this, stu- there's all this stuff happening around me and I don't know how to map it. And then Enneagram came in was like, here's a map. Here's like where, where to start, how to start plotting your course. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's interesting. Cause like, I also really related to my, my two wing when I was in this challenging relationship where it was like, you're a giver and you'll give and, give and What's give the and two? forget about. So the two is the helper or the giver. And this is someone who is very able to understand other people's needs and meet them. And also can sometimes be a little prideful in that feeling like they don't need anything themselves Mm. and it's all good, right? Like, (laughs) uh, no, I'm just, I'm here for you. I got you. Like I have all this capacity to give, right? And then they get to the point where 
they feel resentful or, you know, like, um, or might be overextending themselves, like exhausting themselves or being maybe intrusive in people's lives to be like, let me just get into your life and fix it for you. Um, and a lot of that stuff was coming out for me in that relationship. And I was just like, okay, here's the, 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 the crux of it all, right. Is like the, there's a paradox in each one of these types. And for the type two, it's like, You've got to make sure your own needs are met first in order to give to people so that you can give from a place of like real true generosity and not from a place of like feeling like, okay, if I give to this person, then they need me um, or or I can prove that I'm lovable because they, you know, I I play a role for them, right? I, I do something for them. I don't identify with with that at all in my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and interestingly, right? It's like the type two is one, and I do when I when I talk to people about all the types, like I often will say, like women will often mistype themselves as a two because we are like societally and culturally conditioned to give to the point of self sacrifice, like. That is how how our society is built. And so oftentimes people will be like, oh, I'm a type two. I'm really giving. I do things for everybody. I'm like, no, you're just you're just a, a mom. Like, that's just what you're doing, yeah. you know, like, but that core motivation, right? Or like your type, your type structure, your dominant type structure might be different than that. Um, and so it's something that oftentimes like, like that is a common kind of thing for people to feel because it is such a big part of like what it means to be a woman in, in this oh. world. Yep. Man, it really is. We talk about it a little bit later in the show, but I wanted you to hear straight from me a special invitation. I will be presenting at Sandia's upcoming online event called Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a three-day virtual event to help you cultivate well-being your way, not the sort of commodified self-care way. It's happening April 26th through 28th. So if this episode is striking a chord, if this is kind of touching those deeper parts of you, I would highly encourage you to check out the link in the show notes or go to www.rewritingwellbeing.com and register to join us. Now back to the show. Okay. I actually feel like that segues, the overgiving segues really, really well into talking about burnout, which I've shared a little bit on like previous solo casts. It's my own experience this last year, burning out and burning out hard. And I was actually working with Sandia off and on throughout this experience. So she, she was, uh, sort of, you can say I was your client. (laughs) Yeah. She was my client. (laughs) Yeah. And so she, so I, I'm, I'm usually trying to be very transparent about those sorts of things, but I'd love for you to talk one. I didn't, uh, I, I think when we hear the word burnout, it's actually a pretty vague term, right? And especially if we're used to being hard workers, we're used to being able to push through, we're used to, um, being hyper independent and super self-reliant Right. Like what do they say about people who are achievers is that they don't describe themselves as stressed. They describe themselves as busy (laughs) or like a good day. (laughs) A good day is synonymous with I did a lot of productivity things today. And so I I mean, it took me almost a year to realize that I had burned out and and then had continued to dig that hole for myself 
Um, and, and any ways that I was trying to recover were, I mean, I was trying, I just, I just didn't, I had never navigated those waters. I'd never had my capacity hamstrung that way, undermined that way. Um, it was just, I mean, I was like, I was in a different body. My health was impacted, uh, my ability to find inspiration and motivation. So I'd love for you to tell, I mean, I think this could be a really valuable conversation. One about like the realities of burnout, but also for the different types of people, if we can touch on, I also just worked with a client who admitted, she was like, I think I was in denial that I was like on the verge of burnout and we had to do some mm-hmm. sort of pre- preventative healthcare in her business. And I think it'd be really, really beneficial to talk about the ways that burnout starts to present itself. Like when we start to get close to that. So that maybe if anybody's listening, this can be that aha, like wake up call moment for them to then start to inquire, maybe even pivot and prevent something that's legitimately quite hard slash traumatizing on the body and mind and soul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that you just said like body and mind and, and heart. And so the, the way that I, you know, and I, I did a lot of kind of research on burnout when I was starting my business because I think we hear about burnout in, in the news and HBR articles or wherever as like you have pushed yourself to the point of physical exhaustion. Like you just can't function anymore. And, and in reality, yes, that is, that's probably past burnout, right? When you can't physically function anymore when your body's starting to betray you because you've pushed it past like any signals it's giving you to tell you to slow down. Right. But I actually talk a lot about like physical, mental and emotional energy and how we have three different, you know, there's probably other ones, right? Spiritual energy and all these different things, but like physical, mental and emotional, we can be full on one bucket and empty on another bucket and not realize that, that's that's also another form of burnout, right? It's leading us down that path. And so when I finally quit this job that was terrible around the same time I ended my relationship, I went on a six-month sabbatical. And it took me that long to, like, unwind and, like, get back to, like, my my essence, my sparkliness, my, like, happiness, all those things, right? And I was having a great time while I was doing it and traveling and also sharing Enneagram with people along the way, which is when I realized like just how powerful it was for everybody. But I was actually like emotionally drained. Like I would consider myself having been emotionally burned out. I wasn't even working that hard. I was sleeping eight hours at night. I was, you know, working out like I was physically fine. Um, I wasn't working that many hours, but I had no motivation. I had no connection to the people, you know, like that I was working for and I I didn't care about what we were doing. Right. So it was like, I didn't have a sense of purpose. I didn't have a sense of connection and engagement in that. And so I don't know. I was like, there's something that's wrong with me. Like, I'm just lazy, you know, and in reality, I was just like empty in the motivation Mm. and the fulfillment and the connection bucket. And so that's like the emotional energy. And in the Enneagram, twos, threes, and fours, type twos, threes, and fours are in the heart center. And so oftentimes where those types might drain their energy is in emotional connection, fulfillment, motivation, that area. The five, sixes, and sevens are in the mental center, the thinking center, the head center, 
oftentimes mental energy is where they'll see the burnout first. It's the overthinking or it's the like questioning if you're competent or capable of something, right? It's the self-doubt. It's the head stuff. And then eight signs and ones are in the body center. And I don't know, this is interesting because like you saw the signs of burnout, like your body was physically telling you that you were burned out. And, you know, I think we kind of talked a lot about how type one really feels like something that resonates with you, but eight signs and ones are in the body center. And so when we run past those somatic cues, that our body is telling us this makes me angry or I can't even feel my body anymore, which is something that happens for a type nine. Like those are the cues to say, like, you need to do something here, right? You need to fill Mm. that bucket back up. And ultimately we all are like balanced human beings. We have all three types of energy. We all need to have a healthy relationship to our thoughts, our emotions, and our physical sensations, our intuition. But, you know, it's almost like this like meter where it's like, you can kind of see like which bucket is full, which bucket is not full. Where am I draining? Where am I getting in my own way in a sense of like, when I'm overthinking about something or doubting myself, I'm draining my own energy. No one's doing that Mm -hmm. to you, but it comes from a place of like, this is in your core patterning, right? Patterning. So like, you're not wrong for it, but also noticing it and like starting to repair there is, is the healthiest thing you can do. Yeah, man, this is so interesting because I, I did it, right? I ended up in the ER with a gut infection and they handed me a list of all the things I couldn't do. They're like, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't eat bread, you can't eat dairy. And I was like, I haven't been doing any of those things. I mean, I hadn't like, smoked since college, right? But hadn't been drinking for three years, hadn't eaten any of those. And I was and like... They gave me a whole worksheet on the ways to prevent this type of gut infection. And I was doing, that was my lifestyle. And I remember, I was like, oh, I stressed and worried myself sick. Because, you know. Yeah, and probably how many times were there where you were like learning this way of doing business, right? Because like, obviously, I'm I'm really familiar with kind of like the business model that you had put yourself into and that like... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm put you in a place where you you just didn't feel an integrity anymore, right? But it's like, how many times did you bypass that gut feeling that was like, what? No, ew, I don't want to do that that way. Or like, this doesn't feel good. Or I'm sitting in front of a client telling them this, like, Let's just steamroll it. <laughs> how many t- How many times did I override that I'm only that laughing because of Theora's face right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, literally, like, listen to what you said. How many times did I override my gut feeling? Years. It was like, oh, oh, probably like three and a half years worth. And I, and I look back and I actually, I actually, it's like, oh, how trustworthy was my body that it never let me, you know, cause you talk, you, you hear these examples of people who've built businesses that are way bigger than mine. Then they have their sort of, you know, full grace moment when they realize, oh man, this was not in alignment. And I, instead, what mine did is it it kept me much smaller than I think uh, I was capable of creating because I think a lot of the stuff that I was trying to do fundamentally didn't feel right. (laughs) Because a lot of it was like toxic capitalistic BS, you know what I mean? Right. It was out of integrity. It was out of type one. Type one. (laughs) 
And yeah, yeah. Type one, it was out of integrity and you ignored your body's signals to you. Yeah. Not only, and then for anybody listening, want them here. Not only did I ignore them, but some of the implicit and explicit feedback I got from the space, the industry that I was immersed in was that those feelings of resistance, those feelings of not wanting to move in that direction were, that was the thing that was presenting me from creating the success I wanted and the stability I wanted. And so I was, I was encouraged to override that resistance rather than what could have been possible, right? If it had, if it had been, if I'd been trusted, right? Like that body wisdom was an intuition or asking me to ask different questions or asking me to be more creative in in ways that could be a full, could be a, a more full body. Yes. Right. Like who knows, who knows what I would have created, I'll let you know in a couple of years because that's what that's the path I'm on now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're so, gonna do it now, but you're also gonna have all of that knowledge from like what doesn't work for you, right? Which is yeah, it's also great in and of itself. There's so many raw pieces to the path that I've been on that like those are all. It's like the the building I built, the architecture didn't work for me, but like the bricks are still perfectly serviceable. I can repurpose those and build something new and amazing and beautiful that I actually love and am in the process of doing. Yeah. And I'm learning along the way too, before I've gotten too deep into it, right? Like that I've, I've learned from different business mentors and models and things like that. But like, you know, toward the end of you and I working together, we, we did talk more about my business and like, I'm, I'm learning alongside of you a couple paces behind right to say oh actually thank you Theora for like deconstructing your business and doing it in a way that works for you because now I can just start that way you know and Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. when you're a coach or you know consultant or whatever like so much of what we do is is not doing our work it's marketing our work and Mm -hmm. that is the part that drains people because they think there's like one way to do it right and and Mm -hmm. Like I could do this work all day long and never get burned out because it fills me up. But it's like all the other things, all the other shoulds about how I'm supposed to run my business that I can like now start in on in the right lane versus yeah. have to correct years down the road. So I appreciate you for that too. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're all we're, it's all an ecology. It's it's all an ecology. You know, like mushrooms communicating with tree roots communicating with bugs you know like and we all like feed back into each other yeah. i'm super into it um i wanted to ask a couple of clarifying questions so like i told so for the types that are heart-centered i totally get it it's almost like in order to protect yourself from either like as you approach burnout or have burnt out your heart has to disconnect I look at the body, right? There's like physical symptoms of, for me, it was like exhaustion. I mean, it was a lot of exhaustion. <laughs> I, I mean, I used to say like, I would never wake up feeling rested. I'm doing all this like adrenal support stuff now. Um, but I would, I would, would, I never felt rested. And also I, I'm looking back, I really didn't feel in my body. I had like popped up into my head. And so if, if like, you know, my type is a body driven type. It makes sense that I, because if I was in my body, I would have to feel all of the information it was giving me to be like, there's a cliff right there. Like, don't keep going. And I was like, no, it's fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> arms out, like jumping right off of it, right? <laughs> I'm like, it'll be okay. Someone told me this is where this is the right way. I, yeah, I, and also with the with the type one, which like is the reformer, the perfectionist, right? Integrity is everything. There is a very common repression of especially things like anger or frustration because mm-hmm. it kind of comes back to this core like I want to be a good person I want to be an integrity and like someone yeah. who experiences anger is not a good person so like the somatics of a type one are like really tight jaw like yeah there can be gut stuff right because you're like holding all of it in instead of like healthily letting it out which also is why I think you know, I know your embodiment work has been a big part of your own personal journey. Like that allows you to express in a way that's healthy and get things out of your body. And that's especially important, I think, for for type one. Yeah. The whole like repressing anger. I was like, man, that's super cop. That was something I experienced with like a, an early business mentor early on afterwards. It took me almost a year to get really angry about some of the things I witnessed and uh, yeah, a lot of the things I witnessed. And then it's also something that I've noticed with my relationships where I don't feel angry in the moment because I built this amazing capacity to have compassion and like see what makes a human tick. And so I, I would say you, I've gotten a lot better, but working on my discernment, I would choose to love them and their imperfection and disregard the impact it was having on me. And so then after breaking up with people, all of a sudden there was this reckoning. There was this audit that would happen where I would go and all of, I would look at the books and see all of these moments of impact that I didn't let them be responsible for and I didn't even acknowledge. And so having this big bloom of anger afterwards and feeling taken advantage of or betrayed something that came up after my last relationship was like, I felt really extracted from, right? And, and but even what you're just saying is like, I'm really good at finding the love and connection in the moment. And then if that's not mutually tended to, it leads to relationship burnout, basically. And then one of the ways that I, one of the ways that I go through self-reclamation is like letting myself be angry about all the ways that like I was not cared for and not loved and not treated with respect that before I very, very conveniently was like, no, because I'm so good at relationship. (laughs) Oh, golly gee. (laughs) There's that little like, you know, righteous. I know, I know, because I I'm so ninja at relationship, I never get angry. <laughs> nah, definitely right, uh, deconstructing right. that. Oh, so the, the yeah. one, the last one I wanted to hear was, so I feel, I feel like, okay, I get, I get the heart-based types, I get the body-based types. Tell me a little bit more about the lived-in experience of the, like, mind-based types, just because I feel like self-doubt is something that everyone is going to be like, oh. You know, I had a bad day. Like, yeah. am I good at my job? Do my colleagues hate me? Can you yeah. can you expand yeah. a little bit more on that for somebody that might be that type? Yeah. So, you know, and this might be helpful, but like for the heart types, right? It's all about connection. And, and when you don't have that, there's like potentially some like shame that can happen or like you're trying to cover up for shame, right? And, and the that's like that, that heart, the emotional part of it. 
in the head center, it's, it's really like, like overthinking. We all talk about overthinking, right? It's just something that's become like kind of ubiquitous in, in mm-hmm. our culture, but like overthinking is like, it's so central to the head center in terms of when I would be overthinking as a heart type, it was always relational. It was actually always like ah. emotional about connection, like overthinking. I'm like over, over worrying about my connection with people. Whereas five, sixes and sevens are like this mental center. The, the thing that they're avoiding the most is fear. So what they're mm. trying to find is safety and security in the mind I'm trying to find safety and security like externally instead of like creating it for myself. And so like a type five will try to find that safety and security in um, knowing a lot of things in knowledge in analyzing things in being an expert in things because that like in a way kind of like secures their place in society. Type six is going to do that by like Worrying, also seeing all the ways that things can go wrong and maybe over-preparing, um, spending a lot of time preparing for things. And type sevens are all about like, let me not, like, let me, let me think about the future, find all the possibility, right? It's almost like a positivity, um, finding safety and like positivity and future plans when what's really at the heart there is like dealing with the present moment, maybe pain or negative thoughts or things like that. And so when, when you think about like how a head type will drain their energy, there can be like, am I competent? Am I capable? Do I have the resources that I need to be safe in this world? And it's a more external trying to look for those things versus feeling like, okay, I'm internally resourced. I know enough. Like there's a lot of enoughness here. I know enough. I'm prepared enough. I have the loyalty of these people to be safe and, or I am enough right now. And I don't have to like reach into the future to find things. Is that, is that got it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also maybe it doesn't land as much for me because I'm more body based. Um, but yeah, what I'm hearing is maybe some of the precursors to the, the mental base or however it said is like someone who is an expert or is good at their job, all of a sudden finds themselves lost in this space of self, of, of doubting their competence, doubting their value, doubting their capacity to continue doing the job, doubting their capacity to reach the goals that they want to reach. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and I will also say like, None of these things are exclusive to any one type or any one like center, right? Like we all experience all of these things. We just uh, experience them in like different flavors, you know? It's like every every person, every of those one nine types experiences like their own version of people pleasing, their own version of self-doubt, their own version of like, you know, perfectionism or whatever it is. It just looks different for the different types because they're searching for something different. They're trying to find yeah. something else outside of themselves that like when we really come back to it, we have it all already, right? Yeah. We are enough. <laughs> like so yeah. I just had a actually a flash. I think my client who I I was just supporting, I bet she's a mental type because when she came to me, right, it was she was daunted by the sheer volume of things that she needed to plan. And was just like, it couldn't, couldn't, almost was like stuck and unable to prioritize. So I'm bet, I'm betting she's a, a mental type yeah. because she's a wildly good planner, but like 
kind of couldn't plan because there was so much. Such, and of course, the, the idea was exactly what you said, was like, well, I want to make sure I thought of every single thing to create safety for me and my team. And da, 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 da. OK, cool. That's really helpful for me to understand how that presents. This has been so awesome. You actually have a couple of really cool things. One is a, a free download that you're that we're going to include a link to in the show notes, which I'd love for you to share a little bit on. And then you're also doing a three day online event in April. Would you take a minute to just share a little bit about those two things? So if people are listening to this and they are thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. I had so many light bulb moments. I want to snack on this some more. Can you t- tell them about where they can come and satisfy that urge to snack? Yes, 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 yes. Um, well, first of all, you can always find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, any of the places, right? My website, all those things. Um, if you want to learn more, if you want to talk about how best to explore Enneagram if it is something that resonates with you, um, the download that I'm very excited about. So we've talked a little bit about how typologies are like, they're just a way to put words to things and mm-hmm. um, create a common language. And I work a lot with leaders and with teams. And so this download is um, basically how do you, how can you use personality assessments to get the best out of yourself as a leader and your team. So it'll take you through kind of different types of things that are out there like Clifton Strengths or Hogan or Enneagram, of course, um, or DISC and um, give you some examples and some ways to apply them to your management style, to your team dynamics, to your leadership style, and also like well-being or like uh, work-life integration for your team. So it's like a really cool resource. I put so much of my heart into this. And, um, and then the event in April is, it's called Rewriting Wellbeing. Um, so it's a three day, you know, a couple hours a day, three day online event that individuals can join. You can use it for your team as like a team building event or a wellness event. And we'll come and do like a workshop with you afterwards. Um, but any individuals also can join. And it's basically, you know, it's rooted in this idea of like, we just really need to slow down. (laughs) Like there's just honestly no other way to say it. And we just get so many messages thrown at us about this is the right way to work out. This is the right way to take care of your body. This is the right way to like feel and be and the right way to have a successful career and all these things. So we're going to explore a bunch of different topics around. It's kind of like three days and like me, we, and be. So the first day is like self identity, career, like even money beliefs and things like that. The second day is more about like relationships and community and workplace. And the third day is like, okay, let's take some really practical action around redefining productivity. Like what is productivity really? Like, is it the production of stuff or is it like the intentional use of your time or like boundaries or, you know, different topics that are, that will be really helpful and things you can, you know, tools you can take away. So we're gonna have a bunch of speakers. Um, and, um, my partner, Erin and I, who she's also an Enneagram coach, um, and works with teams and organizations. We're co-hosting this event, but I'm like, just really excited about it. Cause I think it's a way for people to like reconnect with who they are. And frankly, if you haven't changed in the last two years, I'm not sure what planet you've been on, but it's like, we need that time and space to like reconnect with like, who am I right now? And what do I care about? What are my values? And how do I go and like make priority choices in my life to live well, to feel good, to like still accomplish my goals, but not like jump off the cliff 
you know, metaphorical cliff in the, in the process of it. And so we're covering all sorts of topics like parenting, partnership, wealth, career, and all the things. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. If you can't tell. <laughs> I love it. No, no, no. I love it. Especially somebody that basically just spent the last year trying to figure out how to rewrite well-being and kind of doing it like, I, ugh, like, I guess I, like, <laughs> It's just like, I felt like I was in a jungle with a machete trying to like, where the heck am I? Like how to, because, because I had to do so much. Yeah. It's such a so good, one, that's such a good visual. Cause it really is like just chopped out all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I, I love that this is a structured thing. And then also just what you shared too about if the pandemic didn't shift the way you see life in the world, I would just be you know, surprised. But I, I think I've just seen this like massive move towards like a sentimentalism and, and valuing the more precious things in life and really the preciousness of our minutes. So I could just see this being such a beautiful reset for, for people that are wanting to reset, which is what I was, the energy I was super craving. Not to say that like, oh, everything's like back to normal, but there's enough hap- there's enough moving and shaking in the world that we can really sit down and go like, okay, like what lane am I going to, what are the lanes I'm going to play in moving forward? Because everything has changed. It feels, it feels very well timed, Sandia. Just saying. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Well, and you know, it's like we create stuff from a place of like uh, us craving that. Right. And like, yeah. I just, I like, this is something that I've had the time and space to do for myself over the last year as I'm building a business, as I'm rewriting some of my own beliefs, right? And working with people and like you, you as a coach and, and things like that. So it's like, I, I want to gift that to people as well. Like, I think it's, it's um, hard to necessarily find uh, those resources all in one place. So. Love it. So if you want to check those things out, the show notes, will put a link to Sandia's Instagram, LinkedIn, the downloadable freebie, and to go check out that amazing online event. And it is, it was, this was a really awesome conversation. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Yeah, I know. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about things, but I feel so good about what we what we talked about and I'm honestly just really so happy that you found some new insights and ways to be more compassionate with yourself through the Enneagram so hallelujah amen (laughs) thank you for tuning in to another episode you beautiful weirdo It can be lonely being different, but here at Club Weirdo, that's what brings us together. So if you can take two minutes to subscribe and leave a review, that is the most powerful way that you can help us grow and help more beautiful weirdos like yourself find a place to call home. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay weird.